is Friday, January 12th. I'm Scott Seidenberg. And I'm AJ Hoffman. The end of an era in New England. And the beginning of Super Wild Card Weekend. Here comes the Vegas truth. This is straight out of Vegas. We are straight out of Vegas AM, your daily destination for sports conversation with a Vegas lean. Here's what you need to know to start your day. Bill Belichick out as coach in New England. Couple of contracts getting done in Major League Baseball. And Gonzaga goes down to Santa Clara. What is the Vegas lead? You know what? I don't know why I'm asking. It's uh, it's super wild card weekend, Scott. I assume that's where we're headed to begin this show. Well, before we preview the games for super wild card weekend, we got to talk about the hoodie. Bill Belichick out as the head coach of the New England Patriots. And, you know, we talked about this and we said, I, I, I always maintained that he was not going to coach the Patriots next year. And I said there was only two ways that he says goodbye to New England. It's either he gets traded and the Patriots get, you know, draft picks or whatever for him, or it's like uh, he decides to step down on his own terms. I never thought yeah. for once that it was going to be Robert Kraft having a press conference saying that we fired Bill Belichick. Um, and, and he, you know, was going about business as usual. And it's, it's ironic if that's the word for it, but a day after his good friend, Nick Saban calls it quits at Alabama, Belichick has a press conference and steps down and is, you know, for now taking time away. Yeah, uh, listen, he had one year left on his contract. He, the Patriots aren't looking for compensation for him. He expects to continue coaching. Um, he is a massive favorite now to be the next head coach of the Atlanta Falcons, which is weird to think about, I guess. But, I mean, it's got to be something. It's got to be something. Uh, and yeah. it, what another thing that came out today was the – the, the apparent like uh, plan of secession that the Patriots have put in place with Gerard yeah, Mayo, Gerard Mayo. Uh, yeah. And basically uh, set it up where he was in line to be the next head coach. And the organization can now hire him without going through, you know, all the, the processes of hiring a head coach. Um, so if that's the, if that's the route they decide to go, but does that change uh, it, now with Mike Vrabel becoming available? Th- that's the question. Like, it was the plan, but they, uh, they didn't realize Mike Vrabel was going to be available. I don't know. I don't know what the Patriots do next, but I'm assuming a former Patriots linebacker is going to be the next head coach of the New England Patriots. I would agree with that. I, I really don't think that it's anybody besides Gerard Mayo or Mike Vrabel. I can't see yeah. them hiring anybody else and i do you only they'll hire arthur smith huh no 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 i do wonder <laughs> if uh belichick will be coaching next year or if he decides to take uh take take some time off i don't know i mean i still think he obviously has something left in the tank i think he can definitely get any job that he wants but are any of these jobs really that desirable that he's gonna want to jump at the opportunity i again i keep saying this the only job that I feel like is set, sets itself apart is the Chargers job, and only because they have Justin Herbert. And 
I know there's people out there who will say, oh, AJ's a Justin Herbert honk or he's a he's a homer or whatever. I, like I, I, I'm irrationally exuberant over Justin Herbert. But when you look at the other jobs around the NFL, the other open jobs in the NFL, like what 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 job has a quarterback that's even close to the level of Justin Herbert? Like the next best quarterback that's that's out there is Geno Smith. Like, or it, or it, whatever or whatever free agent maybe that you sign to play in in Atlanta. Okay, what free agent is close to yeah. just to Justin Herbert though? Like, I mean, I, Kirk Cousins might be the best one. It, it's an older dude on the downslope mm-hmm. of his career. I, there's no there's nobody who there's no quarterbacks like Justin Herbert available in free agency. There's just not. So to me, that's the the most appealing. But it's all about what matters to Bill Belichick. I, I think that would matter to Bill Belichick. I think he's realized over the last few years how important having competent quarterback play is mm-hmm. uh, as he's dealt with this Mac Jones thing. But I, I think that uh, you know I, I'm not sure what he's got, what he's going to look to do. I, I know he's he's going to look at a place that is going to give him some control, that is going to let him do things the way he wants to do things. And quite frankly, most of these organizations that have openings right now are are terrible organizations and would be wise to just get out of the way and let Bill Belichick figure things out. Do you think that Belichick and Saban work together again? No, I think Nick Saban is okay. done, done. I, I, I think done, Nick done. Saban wants to be fishing. Okay, that makes sense. Uh, what about Pete Carroll? You know, I... I, I think Pete Carroll, like the way that Pete Carroll worded things, and I know there were people who were like trying to act like Pete Carroll didn't get fired, but Pete Carroll said, I I made the best case I could for them to let me continue coaching, mm. and they decided against it. That sounds like they said you're fired. Yeah. But it, I think the Seahawks want him to stay on in some role that's not a coaching role, but I think Pete Carroll still wants to coach, which is wild. I mean, this is the oldest coach in the NFL. Yeah. And, but man, he just doesn't feel like it, doesn't seem like it. it. He's a guy who I still think has some fire left in him. If you told me Pete Carroll was going to coach three or four more years, I wouldn't think you were crazy. Uh, but again, I, when you look at the, the 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 jobs that are open, what situation is a a closer situation than Seattle? You know, this is a team that's kind of been on the brink. They, like, mm-hmm. if I'm if you're the oldest coach in the NFL, you don't want to go to Carolina. You don't want to do like a full rebuild. That just yeah. sounds like a, a you don't have time for that. Uh, it, and I think New England kind of falls into the same boat. You don't have time to fix that. Well, the uh, Jets should uh, the Jets should get rid of Robert Sala and bring back Pete Carroll. Let him coach I, Aaron uh, Rodgers. <laughs> Let him coach Aaron Rodgers for a year. Try to win a Super Bowl. I don't think that'll happen, but I don't think it's a terrible idea. I, I mean, there were a lot of people. Robert Sala was his seat was warm and hot and warm and hot over the course of this year, uh, but I do think if if the Jets do anything, they need to they need help on the offensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, before we preview the Super Wild Card games, let's just quickly mention the coaching news in college football because it relates to Nick Saban, uh, Dan Lanning did an interview yesterday and said he's staying at Oregon. Now, coaches have said coaches that lie. before. <laughs> They've said that they're staying and then they accept the job. But for now, it appears that Dan Lanning does not have any interest in the Alabama job. And that was your number one candidate. And that was the odds on favorite in the betting markets to be the next head coach at Alabama. Yeah. And uh, I mean, I, th- I think he's probably the first call that they made and, and rightfully so. I think, though, Dan Lanning saying no to that job tells you a lot about 
how intimidating being the next head coach at Alabama is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's a big job, man. Like, and not just because it's the head coach at Alabama, it's because it's following Nick Saban. And yeah. this this is a weird thing to say, and I I, I don't want to uh, you know shake up an apple cart or anything. I don't know if Alabama is even like it, it might be like the eighth best job in the country, the tenth best job in the country. Alabama's been so good for so long because of Nick Saban. Mm-hmm. Alabama doesn't have boosters with deep pockets. Alabama doesn't have like A plus facilities. Alabama had Nick Saban for a long time. And and like the recruiting base, the re- like you know, the state of Alabama doesn't produce a ton of great players. Like the truth of it is, LSU is probably a better job than Alabama. Uh Florida might be a better job than Alabama. And it, like it's it's hard to wrap your head around that because Alabama's been so dominant for so long, but when you subtract the Nick Saban element of it and you think about boosters, you think about money, is particularly like NIL money. Hell, one of the things Nick Saban complained about was, "Hey, Alabama's not caught up with the rest of the country when it comes to NIL." Like yeah. he was pissed off that NIL was letting everybody else catch up with Alabama because all of a sudden it wasn't just about being Nick Saban it was about having the most money and Mm -hmm. Alabama didn't have that like if you think that the the peak of Alabama is the same now without Nick Saban as the peak of say a a Texas or a USC I think you're fooling yourself I I I really think that this like it, it the job is not what it what it has been it's not what it's appeared to be for the last you know 15 20 years because Nick Saban has boosted it up uh, but then again, there's a lot of jobs like that. Like, I, I mean, I don't think Clemson is a, a, an elite job, but Dabo Swinney has done a good job there and it, they've got, he's got it rolling. So, or, or he's had it rolling. Um, it, it's just a matter, like there's a lot of people who would say Texas A&M might be a better job than Alabama. They've got way deeper pockets. They've got way better facilities, a uh, way better recruiting base. When you take, when you take Nick Saban out of the equation, it certainly evens the playing field at worst. All right, let's get back to the NFL and Super Wild Card Weekend, which kicks off tomorrow. We have two games on the schedule for Saturday, the Browns at the Texans, and then the Peacock exclusive. Boy, there's going to be a lot of people on Twitter that are frustrated about that. Dolphins at the Chiefs. Let's start with the Browns at the Texans, AJ, and this spread has moved. It is now a flat two. Texans catching two at home, total of 44 and a half. Yeah, that uh, that bums me out a little bit because um, I had Cleveland minus two in pocket, so I was feeling like, oh, I got a little bit of CLV. Maybe it hits three, and I feel really great. Now I'm just another schmo with a two in my pocket. Um, yeah, I, I think you're going to see a lot of people using the, the Texans as a uh, as a teaser. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sense. but I. The problem is there's just not a lot of great pairings for it unless you want to use Dallas, and I, I think Dallas say, is Dallas, a, a, yeah, a volatile a volatile uh, selection. So um, I tend to like Cleveland here still. Uh, obviously, I, like I said, I have them minus two in my in my pocket. But I like the over more than anything, though. Uh, the over was my best bet on the Dream Pod over 44 and a half. And a lot of it is the Browns on the road. They're 8-0 and to the over on the road. Every single game they've covered on the road, the overs hit on the road by over two touchdowns per game. So it's not close. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're giving up over 30 points on the road. 
the three best pass rushers for the Texans are all questionable at best. Uh, Will Anderson, Jonathan Grenard, Jerry Hughes have all been dealing with either missing practice or limited practices. And this game shot over, you know, a couple weeks ago when it was Joe Flacco against Case Keenum. Now that CJ Stroud is here, I, I think that he's, he, he, he helps that Houston offense. The Texans have not played a tough schedule of offenses on the season. They play they played one offense that's top ten in EPA, and that's the Ravens, and that was Week One. So you haven't seen a lot of of high end offenses come through this uh, this this team. And you know, I, I, Joe Flacco right now is he's got the Browns humming. And I will say this falls into the you've talked about it a lot experience mm-hmm. versus inexperience when it comes to quarterback. Joe Flacco fifteen starts. In the postseason, C.J. Stroud playing his first big game against maybe the best defense in the league. So I, I, I like. I mean, this pass rush. I think they'd make it hard on C.J. Stroud, but I do think the Texans score some points. So I like the Tex, or excuse me, I like the Browns. I like the over in this game. So a couple of trends here. Yes, you mentioned the inexperienced quarterbacks here. We I've given the trend out. It's public. It's everywhere. And everyone knows about it now. It's quarterbacks making their postseason debut, playing against the quarterback with pl- playoff experience. They're 17-35-1 ATS. And this is one of those matchups, C.J. Stroud making his postseason debut against Joe Flacco with prior experience. I will also say this. Underdogs have dominated wildcard weekend over the last six years. Dogs are 20 and 10 ATS, 13 and 17 straight up. At least one underdog has won outright in every season since 2017. And if you look at the last few years, going back to the last 46 wild card games, the outright winner has covered the spread 40 times, which means it's either lay the points with the favorite or take the underdog on the money line because only six times out of the last 46 wildcard games has a team won the game but failed to cover the spread. So you look at like an underdog, let's say, I mean, we look at like, uh, you know, to the Texans in here, odds are the Texans are either going to win this thing outright or the Browns are going to cover. They're not going to lose by one. Same thing like with the Dolphins. Dolphins aren't going to lose by three. They're either going to win the game outright or the Chiefs are going to cover. At least that's what history tells us in, in when it comes to wild card, a super wild card weekend. Let's talk about that game in Kansas City. The Dolphins at the Chiefs and the temperatures, AJ, are going to be frigid. If we look at the hourly forecast right now for Kansas City, and this game is kicking off at 7 p.m. local time. 7 p.m. local time. So that sun is nowhere to be found, okay? (laughs) We look at it here. I'm just going to look at, like, what it is for today. Today at 7 o'clock, it's going to be 10 degrees with a real feel of minus 11. Now we fast forward to Saturday, right? I mean, i got to scroll down to see Saturday. Give me a second here. I'm on the website. We scroll down to Saturday, and we look at the weather. And it's a very similar far forecast. We're talking about a real feel of negative double digits in Kansas City for this game. The play that I gave out on the Dream Pod was the under in the second half. First off, the Chiefs unders in the second half have been a cash cow this season. Yeah. 15 of their 17 games 
have gone under the second half total. But I think the weather, the cold, the, the wind, the possible snow, I think it all actually has a greater impact later in the night. So this kicks off at 7 o'clock. By the time the second half kicks off, it'll be around 8.30, 9 o'clock. And that's when it gets even colder. That's when it could get even snowier. And I think we see a, a tight game played in the second half between these two teams. I tend to agree. I think this is a – I mean, I like the full game under as well. But I also I, – I also, despite liking the under, I, I lean to the favorite here. Uh, I, I just think Tua away from home – making his first playoff start in these frigid temperatures with wind Mm -hmm. going up against Patrick Mahomes. It's just, man, it just feels like a lot for them to overcome. And if you look up what Mahomes has done in the playoffs, he's 11 and three 35 to seven touchdown to interception ratio. He's basically got like an MVP season worth of playoff experience going against a first time playoff starter. And Miami's got, a lot of injuries on both sides of the ball. Their offensive line is still a mess. Mm-hmm. Uh, their their secondary is a mess. Both their starting safeties and we we know about the pass uh, rush is a mess. Yeah, I mean it's it, it's just it's tough to overcome all these. They're they're hurt at the wrong time of year. Um, and Miami really their best best path to success on offense, I think, particularly in this weather, is their run game. But we saw him lean on the run game against the Ravens and got blown out. They ran for mm-hmm. 6.2 yards per carry, still got blown out. Uh, they ran for seven and a half yards per carry against the Bills the first game this season in, in Buffalo, still got blown out. It, like Sometimes it just doesn't matter. And But d- back to the under, the, the, the when these guys played the first time, it was 35 points scored, and that was in Germany in fine weather, and that included a 59-yard fumble recovery touchdown. So it feels like this total is a little bit high given all the weather. Yeah, I think the total is high. Um, Now, I understand the idea that the offense in poor field conditions has an advantage because they know where they're going, right? The guys know where they're going. If you're you're a wide receiver and you're going to make a cut, you know where you're going versus the defensive back that's trying to chase you. I just, I, I just would, I trust Patrick Mahomes in these situations more so than Tua also because I think Mahomes will do it with his legs, whereas I don't know if Tua will. So the Chiefs are the play and the under is the play. I think you also have to consider the Chiefs essentially had a bye week last week. Mahomes didn't play. Kelsey didn't play. Pacheco didn't play. The Dolphins were were in a dogfight last week Mm -hmm. that they Mm -hmm. came up short in. That that game was so important to the Dolphins last week and to come up empty – has to be deflating knowing that you could have had you know multiple home games and instead you're you're on the road at Kansas City and if somehow you win in zero degree temperatures your next trip is to Buffalo it's just <laughs> it's just miserable so uh I, I can't imagine or, or Baltimore I guess it could be Baltimore depending on who wins the uh, the Texans Browns matchup but uh yeah I can't imagine that the, the Dolphins are, are going to be firing on all cylinders here Steelers are at the Bills. That's your first game on Sunday. Buffalo now a nine and a half point favorite as we've seen money come in on the Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers were uh, my best bet on uh, or one of my best bets on the Dream Pod. Total in this one is 35 and a half. And, you know, there's actually rumors out there that this game 
could move to Cleveland because of the snow, but that's not happening. Uh, that was just going to happen. It's not going to happen. Uh, the NFL says, no, it's not happening. There was speculation. They, they said there, uh, quote, here it is. We are monitoring conditions as we do for every game, but there have been no discussions about making a change to the game's status. That is according to an NFL spokesperson. So any rumors about potentially relocating the game, it ain't happening here. It's going to be snow showers and gusty, gusty winds. How gusty? Well, AJ, it could reach up to 50 mile per that hour winds. That is crazy. And it's the temperature is only going to be 24. But when it's 24 and you're getting 50 mile an hour gusts, it, I mean, it's well below zero on the wind chill. So... Uh, yeah, this is the hardest game for me to handicap, I think, because of all this. Um, well, I just think I, both I, teams are going to run the ball. Yeah, I, I do. And I, I think this is where it's smart that the Bills have turned to a run-heavy offense the last few weeks. Like, it, mm-hmm. it feels like, okay, now's the time when that pays off. Um, but I, I, I do think the Bills will be a more willing passing team than the Steelers. I think the Steelers, yes. are, are like with Rudolph specifically, because even going back to that win game, Josh Allen threw the ball 30 times against New England in that game. That was, I don't know if it's, if that game was this severe, it certainly wasn't as snowy uh, as it's expected to be, but I I will say that like they were willing to throw with Josh Allen because Josh Allen has the kind of arm that can kind of cut through some wind and and you can have it. You have a chance to make some real plays with that. Um, I just don't know how, I I think the the Steelers are going to be very, very conservative I think kicking is going to be very difficult in this game. We talked about this mm-hmm. on the dream preview. I like under five and a half kicking points for Chris Boswell. I don't think the Steelers kick extra points. I think they're going for two when they get a chance uh, because Mike Tomlin generally goes for two anyway. Uh, like he, he's one of the guys who leans more towards going for two. Like I remember he was one of the first guys that when they'd score first, it'd be six to nothing and they would go for two. Uh, I, I think these conditions might be, might, you know, send you more to that, especially when you're a nine and a half, 10 point dog, it makes some sense to take some chances. Uh, I, it's hard for me to trust Mason Rudolph on the road in a playoff game against a good defense, but man, the, the point spread is very high. And it, like the, the TJ Watt thing is something that everybody's going to talk about. But I don't know how I don't much think it matters, it matters if they're not going to pass the ball. I don't think the pass rush m- means anything. I think well, as long as they have Cam Hayward stuffing the run, I think they're going to be all right. You remember that Bengals game last year where the, the Bills had the big advantage on the offensive line and they were going to mm-hmm. sack Joe Burrow a million times. But then they, the pass rush couldn't do anything. It couldn't generate anything because the it was slick. It was the ground was was slick. I think it could be similar there. So if you're going to be I mean, obviously having T.J. Watt would be great. But if you're saying when's a time where it matters less, I think it's this time. So um, I, I think the Bills win. I think it's a, a closer game. Uh, I, I'd like it a lot better at 10. At 9.5, I'm, I'm just going to sit back and watch, uh, play a few props. But, uh, yeah, this is going to be, a, uh, this is gonna be a, an interesting game, mostly because of that weather. All right. Uh, I'm trying to look at, like, a, um, a same-game parlay for this. And – on Caesars slash William Hill, I can do over 15 and a half Najee rushing attempts, over 15 and a half James Cook rushing attempts, over eight and a half Jalen Warren rushing attempts. See, I don't like the Jalen Warren rushing attempts. I, I think Jalen Warren carries the ball less. Um, he's not really built for this so you weather. Think it's just going to be all Najee? 
I think it'll be a lot. Like I love you said, Najee on the pod uh, a couple days ago. I love mm-hmm. that play. I, in fact, I would almost play under on Najee Harris attempts. I, I don't think he's you mean useful Warren. in this situation. Yeah, Jalen Warren. Warren. Yeah, I, I don't think he's useful in these games. And you know what? And I, I, I do think James Cook will get the lion's share, but I think maybe a sneakier play that you may be able to look at is, I, and I don't know if these are available, but like Leonard Fournette, who's who's been active. Leonard Fournette's mm. the kind of guy who's built for this weather. And if if they are like if you're keeping him active, it's for these situations. Um, so th- th- like I- I'd look at Leonard Fournette, I'd look at Latavius Murray. Those guys might touch the ball more because they are more. I, I call them snowplow backs. Yeah, they're yeah. more the backs who are, are willing to uh to to go through the middle. Not you don't they don't have to get they don't have to get to the outside to have success. Like Jalen Warren has to get around the tackles to have real success. That's not going to happen in this game. Mm-hmm. That's why I think Najee Harris, someone who's got one gear, it's low gear, and you go straight forward like a yep. snowplow, mm-hmm. those guys can have success. Jalen Warren, to me, is almost useless in these games. Your middle game on Saturday, on Sunday, excuse me, is the Packers at the Cowboys. Dallas down to a seven-point favorite, total of 50 and a half. So the seven and a halfs are gone, but seven is what the Cowboys are laying here against Green Bay. And AJ, I know you like the total. Yeah, I like over here, over 50 and a half. Um, the Packers, like, obviously we know that what the what the Cowboys can do at home. I, I, I think... I don't know how many times this season I've said Cowboys team total over at home. Yeah. And I, well, this I'm like 30 and a half. So, yep. I, I think I'm like five and one or something betting. It's, it's been very profitable, but I, I think they get theirs, especially against this putrid defense. But man, the Jordan love turnaround that happened at some point this season is real. Jordan Love has been dominant down the stretch. Jordan Love is the reason the Packers are in the playoffs. Mm. First 10 games of the season, Jordan Love, 16 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. The last seven games, 16 touchdowns, one interception. He is the highest rated quarterback behind Brock Purdy since week 11. I I, I mean, like I said, I think Dallas gets theirs. I think Green Bay can keep up. Uh, they're third in points per game on the road this season, 25.3 points per game on the road. My worry for Dallas is that at some point McCarthy makes some bonehead mistake. Like I, I do, mm-hmm, I do mm-hmm. like, I know he's done well. I still have in the back of my mind, this guy's a dope and I can see him <laughs> making some terrible decision that cost Dallas a cover. I, I lean to the Packers and I, I like the over. All right. Uh, I think that the Packers can absolutely score. I think this game goes over because the Cowboys are going to get theirs. I I lean towards the Packers with the points. Seven and a half is much better than seven, obviously. But I do think the Cowboys on a teaser leg are safe. Dallas has won 16 straight at home. And I don't know if I trust Jordan Love to go win on the road here. Dak Prescott has been so good as a favorite, like a touchdown or higher favorite, actually has six points or more at home. He's 25 and four straight up. So the Cowboys, they don't blow these games. I just think that I, I don't trust them maybe to lay the seven. You know what, though? But I like the teaser. You, you, like. I see what you're saying. Like, and, and the Cowboys generally do win these games, but. You know what else generally happens? The Packers beat the Cowboys. The Packers have beat the Cowboys nine out of ten times. So, mm-hmm. like, there, there's things that are pushing in different directions on on who wins this thing. Cowboys always win at home. Packers always beat the Cowboys. 
Yep. Let's move on to the Sunday night game, and it's my best bet that I had on the Dream Pod, and it's the Rams catching three at the Lions. This line is still at three, total of 51.5, so this is the highest total of the weekend. And I just trust this Rams team. And your boy, Kyron Williams, has made all the difference in this Rams offense. If you look at from the week that he came back, which was the second time that they played Arizona, right? Week 12. In weeks 12 through 17, they are the number two ranked offense in the NFL in terms of EPA per play, only behind the San Francisco 49ers. Like, that's how good this Rams team is. And Detroit... It's a it's it's an incredible season, right? The crowd is certainly going to be hyped up for them for getting to the playoffs, for winning the division, all that stuff. But there's a lot of pressure now on this team, and it's the first time that they've been in this situation. It's the first, you know, Goff has has some playoff experience, but this is now a completely different animal. They're favorites at home. I just don't trust the Lions in this spot. I think that both teams can score. I think the Rams not only cover, I think the Rams win this one outright. I trust Matthew Stafford more than I trust Jared Goff. I, I'm with you, and I trust Sean McVay. Uh, it, like, and Sean McVay, listen, Sean McVay knew, but he knows Jared Goff better than anybody, and exactly. he knew enough to know that Jared Goff couldn't get him where he wanted to be. I trust Jared Goff's evaluation, uh, or excuse me, uh, Sean McVay's evaluation. And the Lions, 29th per PFF in pass coverage. You know when that becomes a problem? When Puka Nakua, Cooper mm. Cup, Demarcus Robinson, Tutu Atwell, Tyler Higby are all on the field at the same time. And that's not even mentioning Kyron Williams. And I really think the loss of Sam Laporta and Khalif Raymond are huge. Laporta was the red zone target for the yeah. Lions. I mean, he led the team in touchdowns. Uh, and Khalif Raymond is is the depth behind Amon Ross St. Brown. Uh, you know, Jameson Williams Laporta been in and does- out of the lineup. Even if Laporta does miraculously play, he is nowhere near going no. to be as efficient as he's been all season. And the Rams, much like the Lions, are a team whose offense is going to work better on turf, indoors. Yeah. So I know this is on the road, but I mean, we talk about this all the time with the Rams. What's the Ram- If the Rams don't have any home field advantage, so if they don't have a home field advantage, them going on the road isn't that big of a deal to them. Nope. So you're talking about catching a full field goal on the road and... Scott, I mean, you you can vouch for me on this. I, I've been saying for weeks the Rams are a legit team. Like I, I, I said, I don't know how long ago I would take the Rams against the Eagles on a neutral, and Fez almost laughed me out of the room. I, I don't think it's that crazy at this point to say something like that. Like I, I really believe the Rams are are becoming this team, and they've got when you when you look at the quarterbacks that are playing this weekend. There's Patrick Mahomes, who is maybe in the conversation for greatest quarterback, if not the greatest quarterback in the world today. Joe Flacco, who won a Super Bowl, you know, 15 years ago. The only other quarterback in this playoff that has a Super Bowl ring is Matt Stafford. I mean, is there a is there a, a coach that you're saying? Yeah, I think this coach is way better than Sean McVay. I don't know that there's one of those guys. I mean, Andy Reid, I guess. This game. Uh, in this game, certainly not. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I, I mean, I mean, Andy Reid is probably the only coach, and I guess Mike Tomlin. Though, though that's the only resumes that can stack up with Sean McVay's. So, I, I really think the Rams are undervalued. The, the fact that like, my my biggest bet of this entire weekend 
was at the open Rams plus three and a half. Like the idea mm-hmm. that the Rams were catching more than a field goal was crazy to me because I think on, on a neutral, I think the Rams are, are just as good, if not better than the Lions. So uh, I love the Rams here. This is this is one of my favorite plays. So that's the first five games for Super Wild Card Weekend. We'll get to the Monday night game coming up on Monday. That is the Eagles at the Bucks, and the line is Eagles minus three, total of 43 and a half. You know, every once in a while, I'll be sitting at home and saying, what are we going to cook for dinner? What are we going to cook for? It? My wife says, I don't know. And then guess what happens? Omaha Steaks comes by and drops meat off on my front porch and makes all the decisions that much easier, Scott. Meat to your front porch? Can't beat it, baby. Doesn't get better than that. I had the meatballs last night, and they were delicious, man. It was easy to cook, reheat in the oven, and bang, dinner is served. It's steaks, it's chicken, it's pork chops, it's it's meatballs, like you said. They've got sides. So much great stuff. Guys, they've got a great sale going on right now. The Omaha Steaks semi-annual sale is here. It's a sale so nice, they only do it twice. Score mouth-watering savings on all your Omaha Steaks favorites with 50% off site-wide during that semi-annual sale going on right now. From tender, juicy steaks to big, beefy burgers, scrumptious sides, decadent desserts, and so much more, now's the perfect time to grab all your favorites. Plus, get an extra $30 off when you use our promo code VEGAS at checkout, and every purchase is backed by their unconditional money-back guarantee. Simply go to omahasteaks.com and shop the semi-annual sale today. That's omahasteaks.com, promo code VEGAS at checkout. Minimum purchase may apply. What's good, everybody? I'm Gerard Hector, host and executive producer of the True Hoop Podcast. You can catch me and the godfather of basketball player development, Coach David Thorpe, every Monday and Thursday, talking all things NBA. I talked to a player recently who made a jump shot with like one or two seconds to go in the game because of point differential. And he had to think about it for a minute. And he's like, I let that bitch fly. Boom, he made it. He was happy. <laughs> Whatever. Search for the True Podcast on Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts and subscribe. Rate and review us. That's T-R-U-E-H-O-O-P. Catch us every Monday and Thursday. Take care. Remember all that talk about the Knicks being the fourth best team in the Eastern Conference and them laying points on the road against the Mavericks and and how posi- how how good I felt about the Knicks, AJ? Yeah. Yeah, well I forgot to mention that Kyrie Irving is 16 and 2 lifetime <laughs> against the Knicks and uh he had 44 points last night as good the Mavericks golly. beat the Knicks 128-124 and and after the game he just said he, you know, he loves he loves beating the Knicks. Uh, kudos to him. Uh, his former team, the Nets, they fell to the Cavaliers 111 102. It was the Bucks over the Celtics 135 102. You should, you called this great, one out yesterday. I did, and I didn't bet it myself. I have great regret about this. I have no idea why I didn't bet it. I, it honestly, yesterday morning when we did the show, I, I left the studio and I forgot. And <laughs> I, I was, I was working on, I was working on, I mean, listen, we do the Dream Pod on Wednesday night. So Thursday yeah. mornings are always a little wonky. Um, and I, I was putting together some college basketball stuff and it just slipped my mind. And and as I was watching this game, I was like, oh my gosh. I mean, you could, in the first quarter, they were up 41, 23. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was over. So yeah, yeah. Th- that was a bonehead play by me. Not to, uh, not to grab onto that. Well, good win for the Bucks. Uh, the Thunder route the Blazers one thirty nine seventy seven. That's assault, brother. And the Suns <laughs> a one twenty seven one oh nine win over the Lakers. Bradley Beal with 37 points. 
for Phoenix. Let's take a look at the schedule for your Friday evening. The Kings are at the Sixers in Philly. A short one-and-a-half-point favorite. Pacers at the Hawks. Atlanta Lane, five-and-a-half. Total of 252-and-a-half. It's become the norm here in Pacers games. Rockets are at the Pistons. Houston laying seven-and-a-half. Total 227-and-a-half. Magic at the Heat. Miami, three-and-a-half-point favorites. Warriors at the Bulls. Chicago laying three-and-a-half. The Clippers at the Grizzlies. L.A., seven-and-a-half-point favorites. And without Ja, you just think that I don't know how much of a fight the Grizzlies are going to have for the rest of the season, Ajax. It's still wild to me that the Grizzlies are, they're 14 and 23 overall, three and 13 at home. Like, so they're basically like a 500 team on the road at home. They are dreadful. So yeah, I, I, it's Clippers or nothing for me, but it's a big number to lay on the road for, with Mm -hmm. a Clippers team that I, I don't, I don't always trust. And you, and you really, you never know who's playing for that team. Well, speaking of big numbers, Minnesota laying 13 and a half at home against the Blazers. The Hornets are at the Spurs. San Antonio, a one and a half point favorite. I guess, you know, when Binyama has a triple double, everyone feels good about San Antonio now. You know what? I'm going to put my balls on the table here. I'm back in the Spurs. I'm okay. going with the Spurs here. Six and 30, two and 15 at home. I don't give a damn. I Listen. Spurs ain't going to win a lot of games this year. I think this is one they win. So uh, give me give me the Spurs here. Raptors are at the Jazz. Utah laying two and a half. And the Pelicans visit the Nuggets. And the Nuggets, a nine-point favorite at home. College hoops last night with the upset chain continues in college basketball. This time in the top 25, down goes Gonzaga. Santa Clara with a 77-76 home win over the Zags. Uh, man, something going on with this Gonzaga team now. 11-5, 2-1 in West Coast play. And Santa Clara, 3-0 in conference play. Maybe a shifting of the tide in the WCC. Florida Atlantic holds on barely. 85-84 win at Tulane. Number 24 survives. They're 12-4. A lot of questions about how good Florida Atlantic really is after that magical run last year. Uh, you know, I'm not sure, but uh, this was a a win that they needed and to hold on and win that game, a good a good thing for them. And number ten Illinois continues to win without Terrence Shannon. This time, Marcus Domas scored 15 points. Uh, really, kind what'd of you cool. call him? Marcus Domas. Uh, I thought you called him a dumbass. No, come on. And uh, <laughs> Illinois holds off Michigan State 71-68. No action in the top 25 tonight, but I do have a play I'm going to give to the people here. Give me Indiana minus three and a half at home against Minnesota. Minnesota with a strong start. They're 12-3, and 3-1 and one in conference. But I think here going on the road to Indiana, this is a good spot for the Hoosiers to get right. Uh, and obviously home court in the Big Ten is massive. So this is an early start, uh, th- a 3.30 Pacific start, so a, a, a real early start for you guys out on the East Coast. Uh, but give me uh, give me Indiana here, minus three and a half. I got a question for tomorrow's schedule. Let's so Central Florida is fresh off their upset win over number three Kansas and tomorrow they are hosting number 18 BYU do we back UCF after pulling the upset or do you fade the team that pulled the upset uh well I'm fading them uh, if, if I'm playing this game at all because BYU I, I listen I think BYU is a, a very very good team 
They're 0-2 to start Big 12 play. They got, they got beat at home by Cincinnati, and then they had to go to Baylor, which is going to be a, a nightmare for anybody. But this is a team that I think to, for them to start off 0-2 in conference is shocking. I think you're going to get their best effort, a uh, team that hits a ton of threes. So I like BYU here. I will say this, though. This is something to think about, and it doesn't totally apply to this game because both of these are are Big 12 newbies. But Griffin Warner and I did our podcast last night, and we talked about this a little bit. Houston going to Iowa State and losing outright. Uh, BYU going down to Baylor and losing outright. I think these teams are seeing that life on the road in the Big 12 is way different than in the AAC or in the WCC. And there's two examples of that happening on Saturday. Houston is at TCU. Houston is going to be probably a six-point favorite. Uh, TCU is very good, very good. They almost beat Kansas at Kansas. They just beat number nine, Oklahoma, at home. And Houston got off to a, such a slow start at Iowa State. I think they're just not accustomed to these road games in these environments. It was 14 nothing Iowa State before Houston called a timeout. They got down two touchdowns before Kelvin Sampson called a timeout. Uh, if TCU can get off to a, start, a hot start here and they're catching two possessions, I think that's dangerous. And then my best bet on the pod was Baylor. I, it, we're projecting them at minus seven and a half, mi- minus eight uh, against Cincinnati. And the, Cincinnati, another one of these teams, not used to this caliber of a road, uh, a road environment, at least playing them night in and night out is where it becomes difficult. It's one thing to have like a one-off non-conference game against you know Duke or Kansas or one of these big-time teams. But when every road game is a tough road game, and that's the way it is in the Big 12. Every road game is tough. West Virginia is probably the worst team in the Big 12. It's still hell going out to West Virginia and playing basketball there. Uh, so th- there's no easy road games in the Big 12. And when you're talking about Baylor, man, that is a tough road game for a team like Cincinnati who's unaccustomed to it. Only played two road games this season. They're one and one. Um, and the one win was, like I said, at BYU a team who's also new to the conference. So I'm I'm looking to fade these new to the Big 12 teams when they're on the road. How do we feel about the teams bouncing back from being upset like Kansas, who hosts Oklahoma, and Purdue, who hosts Penn State tomorrow? Yeah, Kansas is, is in a weird spot. Like, this is the first time that I've thought, man, maybe Kansas just isn't that good. Uh, and I, I mean, they, they've got the players, but something's just not right with Kansas right now. And again, I'm, I'm just kind of using my my weird math to project what the lines will be. Uh, but my guess is that, that Oklahoma is going to be a you know four or five point uh, four or five point dog at Kansas. I, I don't know that I'm I'm thrilled about backing OU at Kansas, but OU did just come off a loss too to TCU, so I'm expecting a good effort out of them. Uh, Kansas not only did they lose to Central Florida. But just before that, their their first home game of conference play, they played TCU. TCU only lost by two points in that game. I mean, that was about as close. It, it took a miracle from Hunter Dickinson to get them that win. So Kansas kind of playing with fire. And I know when you look at the record, you say, well, they're 13 and two. How can they not be good? I, I, I just like you're, you're starting to see some some chinks in the armor. And uh, I get it. Central Florida, it, it, it's a it's a road. It's a, a road loss. And, and teams are going to win at, in their building. But Central Florida shouldn't be beating Kansas. It's it's just Central Florida is not on that level right now. In the NHL, we got some teams that are streaking. The Oilers beat the Red Wings in overtime last night. Edmonton winning their 
ninth straight game. They are nine and one in their last 10 games. Also streaking the Florida Panthers, who in overtime with 0.07, that's seven tenths of a second, left in overtime, defeated the Kings 3-2. They scored the tying goal with like two minutes left in regulation, but they got the game winner from Sam Reinhart with seven tenths of a second left in overtime. Panthers beat the Kings three to two. So LA has lost their seventh straight game. Meanwhile, Florida has won their ninth straight game. Also streaking, like there's a lot of teams that are just winning a lot of games right now, AJ. It's, it's amazing. Uh, the Canucks won their fourth straight. They were dogs once again. Also bet regret. I wanted to be on them. I, I'm so mad that I didn't bet those two games after I left the show yesterday. We, we said DraftKings dog of the day, Vancouver. We also liked the over in that game, and it hit four to three. Ugh. Vancouver wins in overtime. Uh, the Seattle Kraken have now won eight straight games as they got by the Capitals four to one. This was a five and a half total that did not go over. Womp, womp, womp. Uh, The Blues beat the Rangers five to two. So for the first time in seven games, the Blues score more than two goals and the Rangers have dropped their third straight. The Bruins have dropped their third straight as Vegas wins in overtime, 45 seconds into overtime. Vegas gets the game winner as they beat the Bruins two to one. So VGK snapping their losing streak, the Bruins extending their losing streak, just a short two game schedule on the ice tonight. The predators are at the stars, Nashville uh, at Dallas. As I mentioned, Dallas minus one seventy five, Nashville plus one fifty on the comeback flyers are at the wild Minnesota minus one twenty as the favorites there in that game. Several contracts in Major League Baseball getting agreed upon yesterday as players avoiding arbitration. Uh, The Yankees agreed to a deal with Juan Soto for $31 million. That is a record-setting deal for arbitration-eligible players. So $31 million next year for Juan Soto. The the second-highest figure, Pete Alonso, got $20.5 million from the New York Mets uh, Brewers starter Corbin Burns 15.6 million uh, the Braves gave Max Freed 15 million dollars Yankees signed Glaber Torres to 14 million dollars list goes on and on uh, Diamondbacks who national reigning National League champs uh, came to a deal with Christian Walker for 10.9 mil Zach Gallon for 10 mil so um, they uh, you know come to the deals and avoid the arbitration the Yankees yesterday also signing Marcus Stroman so this was a deal that I want to say is four years in the making (laughs) you know um Stroman was a guy that was supposed to be a part of the Yankees like when he signed with the Mets and then all you know everyone was like oh well he's eventually gonna become a Yankee then he winds up going to the Cubs and then now on the Yankees, he's a guy, he's from, you know, Medford, New York, he's from Long Island and uh, the Yankees were his team. And so now he is a member of the Yankees as they signed Stroman to a two year, $37 million deal, which includes a vesting player option. Also the win totals for major league baseball were released for various sports books and the Yankees are at 93 and a half wins right now, AJ 93 and a half wins that ranks them in terms of win total third highest in baseball behind the Dodgers, 
and the Brinks. UFC returns for their first event of 2024 UFC Fight Night here in Las Vegas at the Apex. I'm going to go with the best bet early on the card in the prelims. I'm going to go Tom Nolan. You can get him at minus 330. I'm going to go with a prop. I'm going to say him by KO, TKO, or DQ at minus 175. Nolan is a young, aggressive striker. Happens to be absolutely massive for this division. And it's fair to question his competition. He's an Australian. The Aussie regional scene, not great. But he had a dominant showing on Dana White's contender series against a super high-level guy in Bagdan Grad. He controls range very well. He hits like an absolute truck. And that's bad news for Nicholas Mota, who is very, very willing to forego defense and look for his own knockouts. His chin has not held up well against UFC competition. He's one and two, been knocked out twice. Nolan on a five-fight knockout streak. And I think that I think this fight feels like it's set up for the Australian to get off to a good start in his UFC career. This is a guy Dana White was very excited about when he signed him from the contender series. I think they booked him in a way that they thought, yeah, this is going to make him look good. He's got a six-inch height advantage, should be able to stay at a comfortable range outside of Mota's power range. And I think he lands something big that puts Nicholas Mota away. So I'm going to go Tom Nolan by KO, TKO, or DQ at minus 175. All right. And the main event is uh, our boy Uncle Live. That's Iyev, right. Magomed right? Uncle Live, who I think is the best 205er in the world. He is a, a big favorite. I think he's another guy you can look at as a, a, a guy to get a finish. He fought Johnny Walker before, and he, he had Johnny Walker on the ropes. He looked like he was about to finish him in round one, landed an illegal knee. They ended up calling it a no contest, but it felt like it was really close to him getting uh, Johnny Walker out of there. Our boy, Uncle Ayev, this dude is the truth. So look for Uncle Ayev. I mean, you can use him as a great parlay piece as well. So I, I think he gets the job done. Uncle Ayev. Well, AJ has a full UFC card up right now on pregame.com, and you could take $15 off of that card using the promo code TITLE15. T-I-T-L-E, Title 15, will get you $15 off any purchase at pregame.com. But if you want that UFC card, you might as well take $15 off of it uh, using that promo code Title 15. For AJ Hoffman, I'm Scott Zeisberg. We are straight out of Vegas. Hey, yeah.